Good morning. Happy Sabbath. We're going to be singing an opening hymn. The uh, hymn number is 251, He Lives. And we will be singing the first stanza. Again, I'd like to welcome uh, each of you who came to the service today. A few announcements I wanted to mention before we go on any further. Uh, Phil is going to hand out uh, notes uh, for the sermon, uh, for today's sermon. If you want to know or you want to watch the sermon again, you want to listen to it again, uh, you can go to PendletonAdventist.org and on that website, our website, then you can click on the sermons link and you can listen to today's sermon. You can also listen to prior sermons. Um, so... You can do that. You can also um, download this as a PDF on our website as well. So the, the hope, the desire very much is you'll be able to take these uh, notes and look in the future at what was being spoken about. Many times when I have listened to a sermon, sometimes if I'm not taking notes... Uh, I forget some of the things that were shared. As you came in through the fishbowl, there was a table there. And on that table there are several items. Uh, if you are interested, you want to go from uh, giving in the box. Back here there's a box. If you want to stop giving in that. If you want to start giving online, uh, there's instructions that you can set up your smartphone, and it's really, really nice. I have it on my phone, and it's super nice. 
You can set it where you can download the app and you can do the giving automatic or you can do the, the giving on your own online or you can set it up to draft your account uh, every month or as often as you want. I have it set up that way. It just makes it really, really nice. There's also a schedule so you can look at this and say uh, through the month or through the year what are we giving towards or what fund are we supporting with our loose loose offering or offering that you you check and today is the 15th and if I go down and look August 15 I'll find local church budget so it's it's kinda nice kinda nice that way uh, then secondly on the table there's a couple of uh, documents news you need to know across the conference office or the across the conference upper Columbia conference you can look at what's going on there is also a document titled Adventist and the uh, 1918 influenza pandemic you can look at how we as a church responded to the influenza during the 1918 pandemic and it it will give, based on their response back then, a hundred years ago, how our response can be current. So it's, it's kind of nice. Really, really helpful uh, information. And finally, well, maybe not finally, uh, Harris Junior Academy. Okay, so uh, everybody get a newsletter. If you haven't gotten a newsletter... Uh, I would encourage you to speak with our church secretary, uh, Judy Jenner, and uh, ask her to add you to our mailing list. So every month, right now during COVID, we're going to start releasing a newsletter uh, two times a month. And so you'll be able to keep up to date with what's going on. In the newsletter, we have information about the school, uh, their current need, uh, some articles written regarding the school, our, our calendar, it's kind of blank, well, maybe not so much blank, but uh, activities, things that we're going to start planning, a church budget, where we're at uh, financially, COVID hit, has hit the church pretty hard, local church pretty hard, uh, so look at the, look in the newsletter, good stuff, good information. Uh, so, leading into COVID, I was preaching through Ephesians. If you want to listen to the whole series of Ephesians, you can go and listen to that. Uh, I just finished, well, last Sabbath, I finished the series on Jonah. It was a really, really good, I think, study into the book. Kind of made it and brought it into current uh, contemporary uh, thought, and there's, I think there's a lot of messages or information that we can glean from, from his experience. So today, today's sermon is titled, Fear Not. The scripture for today is 1 Peter 5, verse 8. I believe that's the scripture, isn't it? Yeah, scripture, First Peter five eight. 
Let's, uh, before we go any further, I have so many verses, it's sometimes hard to, hard to remember. <laughs> um, so let's uh, start with... Father in heaven, it's good to be here today. Good to see each of your family uh, present with us today. Uh, good to see them. I pray that you guide us, direct us today as we, as we share, as we discuss, um, maybe as we look at some of the message that you have for us in your word. Um, I pray that we see and understand what you have. I pray that it gives us hope. Hope in a world of hopelessness. Guide us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question that I have today, do you have an opponent? Who is your opponent? If you have your Bibles, maybe you didn't bring a Bible, but you do have a Bible in the pew I would invite you to get your Bible or the Pew Bible and open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. At one point I thought I was fighting COVID. I thought I had COVID, but I didn't. I got my nose swabbed and discovered that I didn't have COVID, I think that I'm fighting uh, allergies. <laughs> so I got the, this feeling that I'm fighting a, a, a cold, but it's, it's allergies. So I'll clear my throat every once in a while and that, uh, I can't blame it on COVID. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, is everybody there? Yes, Ephesians chapter 6, we'll read verse 12. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I'm reading for the, from the New Living Translation. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but, but against evil rulers and authorities of where? The unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against the evil spirits in heavenly places. So where is our opponent? Can I see my opponent? According to this verse, who is my opponent? Strong's Concordance defines opponent as an opponent is a, in a suit of law or an adversary or enemy. So we look at this word opponent. It is someone who is our enemy. The Bible defines who your opponent is. First Peter. I have the verse on the screen, but I'd encourage you to go in your Bible as well. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It's easy for me to look at someone and say, that individual is my opponent, Right? Someone who has flesh and blood. It's, it's easy to look at someone and say, this person is my opponent. The Bible doesn't present that. 
doesn't present that idea. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or your enemy or your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So as a, ro- as a roaring lion... Walking about. One commentary says, As a roaring lion, it literally means a hungry lion. Roaring to frighten and to catch its prey. An apt figure of the devil who, through persecution, was seeking to frighten the Christians and thus to force them into apostasy. And he's seeking various means to corner his prey. How does this, or how does he make himself visible? This this enemy, this, this opponent, Satan, through worry, through anxiety, through fear, these things can overwhelm us with a, with a thick shadow of darkness, controlling our every move and decision. These worry, anxiety, fear, these are the enemy's tools that are most popular weapons that he uses against us. So many crazy things going on in the world right now, right? As you turn on your TV, so many crazy things going on in the world right now. Wars, there's conflicts, there's persecutions, violence, crime. We look at at Portland and different places around the world. There's crime, there's natural disasters. It's interesting, as I turn on my TV or as I look on Facebook, I see natural disasters. I used to live in Iowa. You know what happened to Iowa just recently? Iowa and, and on east. 100 mile an hour winds. Yeah, it just blasted them. I, I remember when my wife and I lived in Iowa, there was uh, something similar to this that swept through. Category 2 hurricane, right? That's what they... It wasn't a hurricane, but the, the strength of winds. And it just wreaked havoc on the city. If you get on, online and read about it later, uh, you can see the devastation that it caused. Uh, just wind, right? But blasting strong wind, ripping roofs off of buildings and tearing trees from the roots and just all kinds of craziness going on. Terrorism economic uncertainty, unemployment, divisions, disease. We're not experiencing disease right now, are we? Yeah, you're all wearing masks um, because of COVID. We fear for our children's future. We, we fear for our family's future. We fear for financial future. We fear for our own safety. The list goes on and on. Maybe we're afraid of heights or 
as the list goes. Maybe you're afraid of snakes. There's actually a lot of things to, to worry about, aren't there? Yeah. But reality tells us, given the list, that there's so much to worry about Most of the things that we're worried about are things that may never happen. Living, living under the weight of the, the what-ifs. It's a hard place to live, isn't it? Do you, speaking of what-ifs, do you remember leading up to the date, December 31, 1999. Do you remember what was going to happen when the date rolled over from December 31, 1999 to January 1, 2000? Do you remember what was going to happen? Computers were going to crash, weren't they? Yeah, Y2K. I have a little, a little image that says, I survived Y2K. Um, we're going to, it was con considered or called the millennium bug. And they said that this millennium bug was going to send us back into the stone ages. Everything was going to shut down. We were going to, or life as we knew it, was going to come to a crashing halt. So people began to stockpile. Uh, beginning COVID, you remember what was what was happening? People started collecting what? Toilet paper. Yeah, people were freaked out, right? Freaked out. So they ran to the store and started stockpiling toilet paper. Right, stockpiling. Leading up to 2000, they started stockpiling food. They were really convinced that the world was coming to an end. Twenty years later, did it pan out as they projected? No. No, as we, I did a quick search online and did some different studies and finding out what our concerns, there's concerns about anti-Semitism, anti-Armenianism, there's anti-Catholic conspiracies, there's Islam-related conspiracy theories, there's uh, theories of conspiracies against black people, there's conspiracies against white people, there's technology-focused conspiracies, there's conspiracies regarding harp, there's creation of diseases, there's water fluoridation, surveillance by espionage, all kinds of things to take and absorb our time. Electronic banking conspiracies right now. It's interesting, I found on Live Science an article titled, COVID-19 has fueled more than 2,000 rumors. 2,000 rumors and conspiracy theories. This article was published August 11, 
2020, so really, really recent. And it's stated in this article, from the idea that drinking bleach can kill the, the coronavirus to a theory that the virus re- was created in a lab as a bioweapon, the, coro- the COVID-19 pandemic has generated a flurry of misinformation, hatching more than 2,000 rumors, conspiracy theories, and reports of discrimination, according to a new study. Such false information can have serious consequences. The research of the new study found that COVID-19 related rumors were linked to thousands of hospitalizations and hundreds of deaths. For example, the article continues, a myth that consumption of highly concentrated alcohol can can kill the coronavirus has been linked to more than 5,900 hospitalizations, 800 deaths, and 60 cases of blindness due to methanol poisoning. Isn't that amazing? Are there health impacts in living in worry or anxiety or fear? In an article, again, published March 24, 2019. The article is taken from Health, Spirit, and Body, and it's titled, Research Shows That Physical Complaining or Physically Complaining Rewires Your Brain to Depression and Anxiety. And in the article, it states, Whenever we think a thought or have a feeling or physical sensation, thousands of neurons in our brain are triggered and form an internal network or an internal neural network. The brain learns to trigger the same neurons with repetitive thinking. That said, the article continues, we become what we think and say. Remind you of a verse? By beholding you, what? You become changed. Yeah. If you focus on feelings and thoughts of criticism, worry, and victimization, it is much easier for your brain to call those things to the surface. This can lead to serious depression and anxiety. For, for someone who in the past has struggled with depression, this is very real. This experience of the constant uh, bombardment of the negative can put, in my perspective or my experience, can put me into depression. And I think the news does not help that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Travis uh, Bradbury, he states, Repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it easier to be negative than be positive, regardless of what's happening around us. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. And here's the kicker. It damages our brain as a whole. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinkens 
the, the hippocampus, an area in the brain that, that's critical to problem solving and intellectual, intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is, is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. It's amazing. So what if you're plagued by worry, anxiety, fear? Fear is natural. Fear about all kinds of things. There's people that believe that when you wear a mask that you are living in fear. There's people that look at the conspiracies and say these are something that we should be afraid of. Fear is natural and there are so many things that can cause us to worry. What if, again, what if you're plagued? Is there a better way to respond to the bad things that are happening in the world? Because the reality is there are bad things that are happening in the world. So as a Christian, as we look at our Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I think that was our scripture. That was our scripture. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. What does it say? I'm going to read it for you. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, For, for God has given us a spirit of what? Worry, anxiety, and fear. Is that what it says? What does it say? 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is something God has given us. So what can we do with this sermon? I'm not suggesting that we pretend or ignore what's going on in the world. I'm not suggesting that we just, we put our head in the sand and say, oh, the bad things are not happening. Jesus had a good perspective, didn't he? Yeah, John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, In the world you will have tribulation." Is that what he said? In this world, Jesus was very real. He was, he was telling us that in this world, you will have problems. That is a guarantee. The moment you are conceived, you will have problems. You will have tribula tribulation. But what does he follow that up with? Be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. Peter had a very similar perspective. In, in 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and onward, it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 8, 
It says Peter tells us to what? To be sober, be watchful. Why? What does it say? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Instead of fearing, though, Peter follows it up. We're told to resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brethren throughout the world. And then verse 10, it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory of the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do we have direction? Do we have encouragement? What can we do? Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, Now may the God of peace Himself give you peace always in, in every way. The Lord be with you all. Is God with you? He is. Is God walking with you? Is He leading you? Is He with you through your day? 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says that He is. It says, again, now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always. In, in every way. Do you believe? Oh, there's tons of promises in our Bibles that we can read. Do you believe these promises? Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? As you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we are anxious and worried and we read an article that tells us that the sky is falling, what, and then we take that article and we post it somewhere, or we, we send it somewhere to a friend, what is, is hope flowing out of my heart? No. Second Thessalonians again 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Do you believe? So what, what can we do in, in Philippians chapter 4? Starting with verse 6, I want you to, uh, to read that. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 6. I'd like you to see that in your Bibles for yourselves. Philippians chapter 4, what can we do?
when everywhere, from every direction, we're getting bombarded by the negative. What, what can we do? Philippians 4, starting with verse 6. Are you there? Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Friends, do you believe that? Do you believe that? In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And as we do that, what is the promise? As we do that, what does the verse say? What does it say? What? The peace of God, yes. The peace of God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will, will guard your hearts and minds. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Yeah. I want to invite you to continue reading in that, in that chapter because he follows it up with the how. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, so that's you and me, Paul is talking to each one of us. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, what? Think on these things or, or meditate on these things. There's videos that are filled with half-truths. There's uh, articles that are filled with pointing fingers at the bad guy. There are all kinds of misinformation. Is that what this verse is telling us to do? Seek out the, the, the boogeyman. Is that what this verse is telling us to do? Christians, to do? Is it? What's, it? what's it telling us to do? Anything that's true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If it falls in that, in that list, if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate on those things. What have I, I have had to ask myself in the past, and I'll tell you my experience in the future sometime, but in the past, I've, I've had to look at this verse and say, 
Gary, what are you meditating on? My mind was absorbed in the conspiracies. I understand this experience. But we're called to meditate on things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and good report. Things that are, uh, there's virtue in anything that's praiseworthy. The things which you learn and receive, Paul finishes, and heard and saw in him. These do. And the God of peace will what? The God of peace will what? He'll be with you as we do these. So I'd encourage you. I've given you the um, a handout. And on the back, things to look at. Verses to go home and look at. Um, do you have security or assurance? Do you have assurance? Paul had assurance in Jesus. You can read about that in Second Timothy chapter six, uh, four, verse six through eight. Peter had security. Peter had assurance in Jesus. First Peter one three through five. John had security or assurance in Jesus. First John five eleven through thirteen. Jesus gives us security or assurance. John 6, 40 and 47. I would encourage you to take these verses, sit down with your Bibles and, and read through them. Can you have assurance? Do you have assurance? As we sit in this sanctuary today, I believe every Christian can. I believe every Christian should have assurance of eight, eight great Bible truths. The first, that your sins are forgiven and that they, and that, and that you and that I can receive power to live victoriously. First John 1 John nine. What does it say? If I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, to, to forgive you of your sins, and to cleanse you, what? From all unrighteousness. Number two, that you have been born again. John 3, 3 through 5. And if you've accepted Jesus, you are what 
the Bible says are a new creature, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 And because you're a new creation, what has happened? John 16.6-14 says that you have received the Holy Spirit. Wonderful promise. And now, what's happened? You have a promise in eternal life. 1 John 5, 12, and 13. And this gets us into now. Even more so, we get to look at the verse Romans 15, 13. This is for you right now now today that God that the God of hope can fill you with joy and peace does God give you peace are you filled with peace second Thessalonians 3 verse 16 we read that before says that you can have peace in every single way. And then finally, number eight, God can make you complete in every good work. Hebrews chapter 13, 20 and 21. We live in an interesting world right now. As we look at history from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned until now and until Jesus comes, there will be turmoil, won't there? As we study the book of Revelation, we see the seas are boiling in turmoil. When Jesus comes into the life, when Jesus comes and raises people who are sleeping in Him and calls everyone that's following Him to heaven, we picture a sea of glass. There is no more turmoil or strife, right? But in the meantime, Jesus lives where? Jesus lives in the life, in the heart, right? And wherever Jesus is, there can be calm and there can be peace. My invitation to you today, as he spoke, peace be still, on the Sea of Galilee, my invitation to you today is let him speak, peace be still, in your life no matter what your experience is let's pray father in heaven real promises 
real experiences of people that walked with you, people who were facing death, that were getting beat and whipped and uh, caught in ships on the sea and bitten by snakes and sawn in half. And, you know, all these things were going on by people in the lives of people who were following you. I, I don't read of people who were freaked out, scared of what was going on, but I read of people whose eyes were fixed on you. And you gave them peace amongst the turmoil. I do read of people who were scared and you stepped in and gave them peace. In the quietness of our minds and the quietness of our hearts, we know where we are with you. We see the turmoil. Maybe we have peace in our hearts, and I, I thank you for that. Maybe we don't. And I thank you for that too, because that's an opportunity for you to bring peace. I pray that you come into our hearts right now and each day until you come and speak peace to our lives of turmoil. May we focus our eyes on you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.